Welcome to Inspiring People and Places, where we interview national leaders in the architectural, engineering, construction, and development industry in an effort to educate, innovate, and inspire industry professionals to disrupt the status quo, improve their project teams, and steward public and private investments more effectively. I'm your host, BJ Kramer, President and CEO of MCFA. Allow me to introduce today's guest. All right, Barry Sutherland, a business development and marketing leader. Welcome to the Inspiring People and Places podcast. Thanks, BJ. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. We were connecting before the show, and I'll I'll just make the announcement to the to the audience or the audience that Barry is a Kansas City Chiefs fan, and I almost canceled the interview. <laughs> but here we are. Barry is out in Kansas City, the land of lots of architecture firms. So Barry, we start the show always. Instead of me reading your bio or your resume, talk to us about who you are, where you're at right now, and then we'll get into how you landed there. Absolutely. Yeah, Barry Sutherland. I am yeah, I'm not a I'm not a Kansas City native. I've been in Kansas City for about ten years now. I actually moved over here. Yeah, we'll get in we'll get into that in a little bit. But yeah, I'm at Henderson Engineers. We're a about a thousand person building systems engineering firm headquartered here in Kansas City. Been here for headquartered here for 50 years, 50 plus years. But yeah, I am the client experience director, which is kind of a, a newish thing in the industry and excited to kind of chat about that today with you. Tell us what a client experience director is responsible for. Yeah, we talk absolutely. marketing, we talk sales, we talk business development, talk about client experience and why it's important. Yeah, client experience. So I've got I've got my own team. It's just a team of two, myself and a and a manager that I just hired about three months ago. But I'm responsible for running or our client experience program, which for us is pretty holistic. It's not just talking about external clients. There's also internal clients. So like the employee experience, kind of helping over, you know, make sure that that's a, a focus area of ours, but primarily I'm focused on the external side. And that's, you know, we do that by listening to our clients, whether that's by surveys or I do a lot of client listening sessions. So I'm going around the country and, and meeting with, meeting with clients one-on-one. And I've got a list of about 16 questions that I ask them all the same and just starting to understand themes and where we're where we're, we're, we're doing a great job, where we need some improvement, the things that those clients need from us that they're not currently getting elsewhere in the industry and just some general, general kind of fun questions too. So there's that piece of it, but then just, just making sure that our people are, are trained and are ready to go meet our clients where they're at and provide them the best experience possible. So it's a, it's a pretty, I've got robust plans. We're just kind of getting going with it and we'll see where, we'll see where it takes us. I love it. So talk to us about how you landed here, because I think you've had a marketing and business development path here. So I'd like to talk about that history. And then I want to talk a little bit more about your yeah. plans and, and how you know the, the feedback loop of client experience then re- reinforces uh, or shifts your business development and your marketing approach. Yeah, yeah absolutely. As I said at the beginning, I've been in Kansas City 10 years, but I've been in the AEC industry for just just eclipsed 15 back in February. So I cut my teeth in the the marketing world with HOK. 
the only reason I landed at HOK was because my my wife's aunt had HOK as one of her one of her clients at Corporate Express now Staples as for their office supplies and whatnot. And she always just kind of told me, "Hey, if you're ever looking for a cool place to, there's this Helmuth of Baden Casabom." And I was like, "What's that? Is that a law firm?" She, <laughs> she's like, "No, it's an architecture firm." I was like, "They don't need marketing people." And so then, fast forward a year later, I was actually looking for a, a new 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 position, and I I looked it up, and sure enough, they had a a marketing coordinator role open and I accepted that in February of 2008 which was a great time to join the AEC industry. <laughs> nothing nothing bad happened, you know, f- 5 months later <laughs> that year, but uh, yeah, so stuck stuck it out through the recession and along the way the the person who hired me at uh, at HOK and is, is still a great friend and a mentor of mine had reached out to me and said, "Hey, I've, I've I'm over at I'm over at McCarthy Building Companies." contractors pay more money. Maybe you should, maybe you want to think about coming over and, and join the dark side. So I shifted over there in 2010, again, still in a marketing coordinator role. Uh, and I was there, I was working primarily on the science and technology market. So laboratories, pharmaceutical facilities, manufacturing, that kind of stuff. So did the marketing side for a while. And then they eventually tapped me on the shoulder in, I guess it have been late 2012 and said, Hey, we're going to open an office in Kansas City. You've kind of made it known that you want to do some business development at some point. Would you be interested in going over to Kansas City and and, and taking taking a run at, at heading up business development and starting an office for us? And my initial reaction was absolutely. So I called my wife and said, "Hey, what do you think about Kansas City?" And she goes, "What do you mean?" I said, "Oh, we'll talk about it later tonight." Not not the best, not the best move, but we 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 talked about it for about a month, and you know, obviously, lots of prayers and just trying to figure out if it was the right thing for the family. And we ultimately made the move in April of 2013. Uprooted a, a four-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old over to Kansas City. Picked up all my roots. Didn't really don't have family here. Had a couple of fraternity brothers, and that was about it. And and got over here and ran the business development game for McCarthy, the McCarthy's Kansas City office for about you know six and a half years over here. So it was uh, yeah, it was it was fun, but unfortunately that that ride came to an end. And over time, I'd built a, a lot of great relationships here at, at Henderson, including with our CMO, Robin Broder, and actually Robin Broder Gibson now, just recently got married. And she she was one of the first people to reach out to me when she heard I was on the market and said, actually reached out to me within two hours of me being on the market <laughs> and said, hey, we don't have a position, but we're going to be talking because we, we always like to bring on you know good talent, even if we don't know what, what that talent's going to be doing. So. I was kind of like this, this. Thanks for the the vote of confidence, but it's probably just a pipe dream. And then two weeks later, I started interviewing with them, and the rest is here. I am three and a half years later. It's great. Before we get into client relationships, I want you. You know, some of our audiences maybe younger marketing coordinators. They keep hearing, you know, what business development is versus what marketing is versus what proposals and proposal coordinators do. Talk to us about the different, you know, highlights of those roles and how you felt the confidence to take on a business development role, not coming from the technical side, but from the marketing side. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's not, it's not easy by any, by any stretch of imagination. You have to, you know, it took a while for me to get comfortable, even just in the, the marketing role. I mean, I came in not knowing anything about the industry and 
just had to indoctrinate myself, you know, through different trainings that HOK had and industry organizations. I was a big, a big supporter of, and still am, of SMPS, which is the Society for Marketing Professional Services. I think, you know, without that organization, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. But, you know, just through different different trainings, just asking lots of questions that, you know, starting to understand, okay, what does the design process look like at an architecture firm? That was the only way that I was able to get comfortable just in that role and then take it over to the the, con- the contractor side, which is a, you know, it's a different animal, still the same industry, same kind of role, but it's just on a different side of the, I guess, a farther down, farther down the, the, the food pyramid, I guess a little bit. And so that it took even more time to kind of come to, you start to understand what that, what that looked like and how does, how does construction flow and what are the different milestones and all the things that need to be cognizant of. And so, you know, it took, you know, so there's better part of five years as a marketing coordinator before I got, I got asked to move to, you know, the business development side and yeah, there definitely was lots of not not hesitation, but some self doubt, I guess, about what do what do I know? You know, there's lots of business development people out there, like you, like you mentioned, BJ, that are that come from that technical side, that understand whether it's on the construction side how a building goes together, or on the design side what the design process, the in, intimate details of a design process. But that's where you just you get you got to you know build the relationships with the right people that can get you the answers, and that's that's what I relied on. It you know if I didn't have an answer or something, it wasn't like oh yeah I know this and pretend. It was no I, I actually don't know the answer to that, but I I know the people who do have the answer for that, and that that tended to to help me quite a bit throughout my 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 evolution from marketing into business development. Yeah. And then when you was was the role that was created for you at Henderson Director of Client Relationships was the CMO saying like hey this is an area we need to go and I think you could fill this. Yeah, yeah, so it was you know it had been talked about internally at Henderson that client experience might be something that they wanted to focus on but it hadn't quite risen all the way up to say like, this is absolutely something we're doing. So it was a, I guess a beginning conversation. And when I first started, the client experience portion was really, it was just a small subset of my roles and responsibilities. It was, you know, work with the CMO to develop a client service initiative is what we said back then. Other, you know, it also, my my role at that time also incorporated, you know, working with some of our key clients in more of a business development capacity to build, to build on those relationships and expand those relationships across the country and in the the different market sectors where we wanted to grow. And so, as things have, as my time here at Henderson has gone along, it's shifted. I still do some of that, you know, oversee some key clients, but it's now you know, I shifted to client experience director away from client relationships director. And I'm 100% focused on, on client experience and client experience alone. So you, you hinted at this 16 question survey in your client listening sessions. One of our goals is to educate and innovate. I'm sure this is a bit of a differentiator, but are there any of those questions you'd be willing to share with, with the group about what you're asking and any highlight key takeaways that 
or themes that you're hearing that we as as an industry can be improving on? Yeah, absolutely. Now, I I don't tend to think that anything I'm I'm uh, any questions I'm coming up with are proprietary or <laughs> you know trade secrets. In fact, I've probably cobbled them together from you know other sources in the industry and outside the industry. So yeah, it's it's kind of developed as I've gone along, as I've kind of refined this process. But the first couple of questions are really more just about the client. What's kind of, you know, the first, the first one out of the gate is talking about what, if you were, if, if, so if I'm talking to say a project manager, if you're a project manager and you had a seat at your company's board, you know, board meeting, what is the, what's the number one thing, the biggest challenge that they're, they're talking about or discussing today that the company's trying to, you know, faced with. So that's a, you know, I have a couple at the beginning that are really more just about the, 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 the person and the company and their kind of their goals. And then I get into a little bit more specifically of just about working, you know, obviously working, we're consultants to a lot of times the architects. So start talking to them about just about their, their interactions with consultants in general. So what, you know, asking questions like what, what, what tend to be the biggest challenges that, that you face most often with when working with any consultants, not just, not just Henderson and start talking through just consultants. And then I get into more, there's like three, there's about three questions that are specific to their engagement with Henderson, you know, talking about how consistent the, their experiences with us, whether, you know, they're working with different offices or with different people or with different service lines that we might provide? Are they, does it feel like the same Henderson in and out, no matter you know how they mix it up? Or does it feel disjointed and, and those kind of things? Talking about who, who at Henderson that they like to work with the most and, and why, what, what are the driving factors behind that? And then I kind of close out, you know, I have a fun one that I ask, you know, if you're having, if you were having coffee with our CEO, what would you want to, you know, in the world's your oyster, you can, you can ask or say whatever you want. What would you want to say to him? And then I close out with, you know, what are the things, what are the, is there anything that we can do additionally that we're not doing currently to help you meet your goals, to help you meet your, your client's goals, to help you meet your firm's goals. And so it, it's kind of, I've got a, there's a little, you know, story format to it. You know, I'm kind of working them down a path, but it's, it's, it's been, it's been great. You know, some people only give, you know, they only have time and they want to do it quick and they don't have a lot to say and they do it in 20 minutes. Some people I've talked to for an hour, hour and a half and I record everything. You know, I use it as, you know, it's again, that feedback loop. So I'm, I'm working with our teams to say, Hey, this is what I heard from so-and-so. What are we doing to address some of these issues? I'd say the, the, kind of the the key themes to your question about that that keep coming up and it, it's it's funny you know the the more you boil da- boil down client experience i think a lot of people think oh man i got to provide this just exceptional experience that just blows people away it's in this industry i think what people really crave are s- the, some of the simplest things communication being probably the thing i hear i don't think i've had a conversation yet where communication doesn't come up as either something that they are currently receiving, whether it's from us or other consultants, or they're not receiving. So communication is always a big one. Responsiveness, which is kind of tied to communication, but you know how you know somebody sends an email. Are you sitting on that email for you know a day, or are you sitting on it for a week? Are you sending you know getting back to them in an hour and saying, "Hey, I got your email. I'm, I'll, I'll follow up with you." That's a big one. And then just you know, kind of just the, the, the notion of collaboration and coordination. 
are we working together as a team? Are we partners? Or does it feel like it's transactional? Does it feel like it's just this this kind of forced forced relationship? So those are some of the things that I, you know, so far I'm, I'm seeing. I've done about 30 of those conversations this year. I've got about 50 more to do. So I got a, got a lot of work, a lot of travel. <laughs> Sounds like it. Communication, responsiveness, collaboration, coordination. Those are not unlike what you probably hear from internal employees as well, right? I feel like those are those are some themes that that can come up. Oh yeah, from, from our exit interviews at times. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's what that's that's what we all crave. We want to we want people to we want to know, be informed, and and make you know and be able to make decisions based on what we know. Yeah, that's interesting. How have you seen, and I know it's new, how have you seen Henderson's ability to, to take some of that feedback and, and kind of iterate and evolve and improve uh, both the marketing department, but the company and your delivery systems or delivery approach? Yeah, absolutely. So like I mentioned, we after, after whether it's client survey results, which I share with, which I share with the, with the company, but also with these client listening tours, I'm, I'm creating a report for every single one. I record the entire, all the audio. I take it back and me and my team create a report that basically outlines like, Hey, here's the generalities of what the client said. And at the end I, I go through and I list out, okay, here are the here are like one to three short-term things that we need to focus on. And here's one to three long-term things, things that are just, I know we're not going to be overnight, you know, overnight changes. And so I then share that with everyone who works with that person regularly or anyone that was mentioned by that person directly. And so what I've, so I, I send that out as well as to our leadership team and what I've found is that it just, it makes people aware to just all all the different nuances of the of the client experience that they might not have might not have known about. I think there's when I when I talk about client experience here at Henderson, there's still even a couple years into it, there's still a I guess a, a misnomer that it's 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 business development, and that's and that's all it is. Where I'm talking about you know the holistic journey that a client will have with us from the right. moment they from the moment they get a a business card from us from the moment they go to our website until the, the day which hopefully never comes where they walk away and they go find another building systems firm to work with and it's all the and it's all the different touch points along that and so I think it's it's you know by doing this by sharing the feedback with folks it's it's helped them to see that what what they do, whether they're the frontline engineer or a, you know, you know, on our accounting team, sending invoices to clients, or if they're on our HR team with recruiting, it, it doesn't matter. We all have a role in this and we all can influence the client experience in even in little ways. And, you know, for thousands of us are doing it, it's going to make a big difference. I, I think that's so powerful because we, I try to say everybody's a business developer and everybody's a recruiter, meaning, Everything that we do is either attracting people to us or repelling them away from us. And, you know, to your point, really mapping that customer experience through the entire life cycle of the client's project and who interacts with them at that point, at, at each point in the project, or who interacts with the client's organization at each point in the project is like, hey, at every step here, we can either get an attaboy or an all shit. Yeah, and yeah. The the more attaboys we add up, 
you know, the more we can, we can bob and weave through a, through a, a mistake. So we do, we all have ownership on client experience and business development, which is client expansion or client renewal or client referral. Yeah. And I think it's yeah, like powerful. I, yeah. Like I said, at the, you know, at the beginning, I've, I've got a client experience manager that I hired and I said that I'm, you know, I'm primarily focused on the external side. She is primarily focused on more of the internal side. So working with, uh, she was actually with our HR team yesterday and just trying to, you know, brainstorm with them on some ways to improve their client experience. I presented yesterday afternoon to our IT team about what client experience is and how they can get engaged and 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 they're trying to drive forward and, and make changes to provide a better client experience for their clients, which is generally us, the employees. So every single person in this organization has a role in client experience. And I'm just trying to get everybody on on board with that notion. And this kind of leads into the next question. We, we're always talking about leadership lessons learned and you have one manager working for you, but you're actually sitting in a seat that strategically is leading the entire company to continuously improve. What are some lessons learned in in your leadership journey or or maybe even in this leadership role that you can share with us? Yeah, it, it's a it's a it's a new seat for me, you know, and it takes it takes a little bit. I, I think the the biggest leadership journey kind of lesson that I could share is patience, which <laughs> I'm, I'm not the most patient person all the time. And so it's been a, it's been a a lesson I've had to learn myself, but I actually was just talking with our CMO this morning. I feel like I have to have the same conversation over and over and over again with this, sometimes with the same people. And I'm trying to do it, you know, have this conversation with a thousand people and get them all on board that this is, you know, this is, it's now part, it's one of two pillars of our strategic plan alongside innovation. It's not going away. and so trying to get people to understand that this is a critical a critical piece of the organization and so it means i have to have those conversations time and time again and i feel like a broken record at times and it feels like at times i'm like man am i even making am i making progress or is is this is this working because you don't see it all the time but i know it is i you know case in point i mean our it team you know, we've had a couple of meetings with them and just trying to continue to get them focused on it. They, they just started on their own, implemented a, anytime our, somebody calls our help desk or sends an email, they've got a ticketing system and now they've attached their ticketing system. How is your, how is your, please rate your experience good, okay, or bad? Just simple things like that. So people are picking up on it and going, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm getting on board with this. So Patience is probably the <laughs> biggest leadership lesson that I've learned over these last three and a half years. And I kind of, I got to remind myself of that pretty much every day. Well, it's a good reminder for me because I have to remind myself the same thing. It's, and, and you hit on something, you know, you're telling people things over and over. I don't know where this is, EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System, which we, we kind of subscribe to here. They talk about it all the time. People need to hear it seven times before they hear it for the first time. Mm-hmm. And and you have to tell it to them in different ways and you got to make it, you know, make it relevant to to their role. So it's it's not easy. People are busy and yep. their head is down doing what they're supposed to be doing and you're trying to move the ship, you know. Yeah, that's a couple it, couple points each way. It's that whole notion of, you know, you know, we're moving an aircraft carrier, right? It's mm-hmm. not like it's not like you just you know do a quick 180 and you know in 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 two seconds. It's 
it takes it takes hours or longer. I don't know exactly, but it takes hours <laughs> or longer to to turn an aircraft carrier, and that's what we're trying. That's what we're trying to do. I mean, we've we've always been a we've I talk about this a lot. We've always been a client kind of focused organization. And I think there's lots of firms within our industry that would say, yeah, we're, we're client focused. We care about our clients. We're trying to shift that from client focused to being client centric, where every single decision we make, every action that we take, every word we speak is through the lens of a client. If our client, if my client was sitting at the table next to me at a leadership meeting and they heard me say X, would they be shocked? Would they say, wow, I can't believe you're doing that? Well, you know, thinking through it in, the, in those terms, it's it seems like such a, you know, it's, you say client focus and then you say client centric and people are like, oh, it's the same thing. It's not. It's turning the aircraft carrier. So I, I that's where the patience really has to show up. <laughs> that's it's a it's a great it's a great lesson learned. Inspiring People in Places is brought to you by MCFA. MCFA is a CVE-verified, service-disabled, veteran-owned small business. At MCFA, our why is to inspire people in places through project leadership. We provide planning, strategy, program management, and construction management support services to a wide variety of public and private sector clients. Moving towards some rapid-fire questions, any favorite quotes? I was thinking about this one. I, I don't have a ton. I'm not a huge, huge quote guy. The one that always just, it always sticks with me and it's, it's actually from my mom. Everything has a place and everything in its place. I'm an, I'm an organized, I mean, my wife would probably even say neat freak and that straddles whether it's, you know, home life, but also in my, in my work life as well. And that one just always, you know, it's on the tip of my tongue, especially with my, you know, especially with my kids. Trying to trying to instill the same neat freakish behavior into them at home. My wife's trying to instill it in me. Uh, <laughs> so I'll I'll bring that one home today. How about must read books? Yeah, there's one that I recently read. I, again, don't be surprised; it's a client experience book. But Fred Reicheld, who is the he's the creator of the Net Promoter Score or NPS, it just recently wrote his, I think it was his third book called Winning on Purpose. And it's it's a deep dive into some net, some net promoter score kind of thinking, but also just the, the intentionality around customer ex- or client experience and what that means for, for organizations in terms of, you know, revenue and profitability and all the metrics that we're, we're trying to focus on in or, as organizations. If we focus on client experience, it, it, it's kind of the springboard into greater growth for, for a company than probably any other, any, anything else that you might, you might look at. Yeah. As you're saying that, I'm, I'm also, and, and because we want to elevate the entire industry, I think the role of AEC professionals is going to continue to evolve and being at the forefront of what the client is thinking about. And hey, if you had the magic wand or you're sitting at the boardroom, what would we as an industry be doing differently for you? I, I think you're going to be able to, to really, you know, not, you know, if, if, if a thousand person company is a battleship, I don't know what the, the AEC industry as a whole is. And we certainly have a lot to improve on as an industry, mm-hmm. but you know, talk about AI and ML and what that impact is going to have on how maybe professional services get commoditized. But 
there's still going to be a client facing body dealing with the problems and trying to convert them to solutions uh, or hear their projects and convert them to successful projects. And I think if, if we as an industry can get more focused on that, the client is not you know, just an entity that we're billing, but it's human beings that you know, they've got a host of operational needs or, or facility problems or whatever. And we have to be the, the agent that they turn to to help fix them. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, it's powerful for the entire industry to think through. Yeah, I one of one of the things I always talk about anytime I'm doing CX training internally is you know just reminding people that at the end of the day we're all humans and as humans we crave to be loved and cared for whether you know some people you know crave it probably more than others but that's like an innate desire and if we can just tackle that desire like if you if if we as a, a consultant can tackle that desire with our clients it's going to you know, win their trust. It's and they're gonna they're gonna be locked in with us for a lot longer because they know that you know when they come to us, they're cared for. They're they're seen, yeah. they're heard. All all those all those things that that people want. It's it's great. All right, dead or alive. If you could have dinner with three people, who would they be? Yeah. So Jesus is the first one. I think that would just be a riveting conversation. Grandpa, I. My, I had one grandpa pass away before I was born and one pass away when I was four and just either or both of them having, having a chance, you know, I see the way my kids get to hang out with their, their grandpas. It makes you long for it a little bit, Yeah. but it would just be cool to hear, you know, yeah, my one grandpa was a world war two vet and just to hear his stories and just the things he, he went through in his, in his life would be awesome. And then I'm not a huge history nut, but I, I like history. So I'd, I'd go with Lincoln. All right. I just think he was yeah, a, a leader in the face of such great adversity. It would be cool to hear what, what he had to say and, and just some of the, the lessons he learned along the way that, that really propelled him to where he was. I was just listening to a book. I'm trying to remember what it was. It might have been Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. and. It talked about all of the failures that Lincoln had faced and like travesties, wife passing away early on. And like, I forgot that part of his story. So you have everything that he went through to to eventually win the presidency. And then it, it really all prepared him for, I think, having kind of a a cool collected wisdom to him in dealing with all of all he dealt with in his presidency. Yeah. There's a a powerful story. There's a book and I'm blanking on it. It's, I think it's like leadership through adversity or something, but the the lady who wrote it basically looked at, she looked at Lincoln. She looked at, I believe it was FDR and I know it was Teddy Roosevelt and a couple others. And it was all about that exact topic. Like, you know, what do you do in the face of great adversity and how, how do the people that, rose through that and became these well-established leaders of organizations what what was their the secret to their success so yeah we'll put that one in the show notes you can yeah. you can email it to me and we'll put yeah. it in the show notes absolutely <clears throat> all right to close this out andy reed when he was in philadelphia <laughs> he would always end all his interviews you know, or, or you know he, he'd be talking about what went right on the game what went wrong in the game and then he would end with time's yours 
I don't know if he still does that in Kansas City, but the time is yours. How do you want to close us out? Any, any closing words of wisdom to the industry and our audience? Yeah, I would just say, yeah, I think, I think people, when they talk about client experience, it, it's, a, it's a new thing in the industry. I mean, there's, there's a handful of firms, handful of folks that I know in, in the industry that are not just talking about client experience, but they're actually you know, doing something with it. But I would say that all of our firms have the opportunity to start doing something with it today. When I ask our teams, whether it's the engineers or it's any of our operational groups, to focus on their, on their client experience, I, I remind them that I'm not asking them to do, I'm not asking them to rewrite the way they do their work today. I'm asking them to think about the things that they do currently and just do them differently. So little things like, you know, you're, you're getting ready to pick up the phone to have a conversation with your client with that potentially has some bad news in it. Make sure you put a smile on your face before you, you pick up the phone. You're get, you know, you're getting ready to send an email that, you know, could make or break a project. Have a, have a colleague look over, look, look over your shoulder and say, Hey, I'm going to send this to my client. What do you think? Is there something I can change here? Some different wording, you know, work with your marketing department, whoever it is to, to kind of look over things and make sure it's, it's done from a client centric, centric perspective. So little things like that, again, we're a thousand person organization. So it's going to take a long time for me to change everybody completely. But if I can get them all starting with the little things and then a thousand of us do little things, it's a much bigger groundswell than, you know, just getting one person to do a lot of things. So, yeah, that's great. Well, good luck. Keep beating that drum. Keep repeating it. You got to get it seven times before they hear it for the first time. But Barry, so great talking with you and, and exploring the, the customer experience conversation. Thanks for your time. Awesome. Thanks, PJ. Hey, everybody. If you're enjoying this show, do us a favor and subscribe to Inspiring People and Places on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast hosting platform. We'd also greatly appreciate if you left us a review and shared this with other entrepreneurial public servants and all your friends and family in the AEC space. Be sure to visit our website, www.mcfaglobal.com. Sign up for our newsletter to stay in touch with us and learn about all of the projects and clients we're helping. Last but not least, we are hiring. We are always hiring. Do us a favor. Take a look at what jobs we have open. Contact us through our website or connect with me on LinkedIn. Until next time, have a great rest of your week and a great weekend.